Welcome to episode 229 of The Art of Living Proactively. My guest today, Gina Dallison. And it's quite a thought-provoking discussion I have with uh, Gina today about the power of our choices. And she emphasizes the importance of taking control of our bodies and practicing self-care while shedding light on the detrimental impact of fear, stress, anxiety, and depression in a healing journey. So we talk about the exploring the transformative practice of gratitude, how it can shift our mindset towards positivity. And she talks about the book, The Magic uh, by Rhonda Byrne, which she found as a really helpful resource. She delves into the extensive research and alternative methods of healing for multiple sclerosis and challenges the limitations of the medical profession in addressing root causes of illness. She shares some personal experiences and advocates for a better understanding of our body. So that's all coming up in this week's episode of The Art of Living Proactively with Gina Dallison. Remember that all episodes are also now on video on YouTube and you can find the transcript on the website at tinywinyard.com slash podcast. I hope you enjoy this week's show. Welcome to another edition of The Art of Living Proactively. I can't remember the name of my own podcast. You're living proactively. And my guest today, Gina Dallison. How are you doing, Gina? I'm really well, thank you. Thanks for having me, Tony. Uh, well, and I've got to say a big thank you for coming on again, because we did record an episode. Wow, it was like January or something, didn't we? It was, it, that it was, was a long when, time ago. Not that, was, things. that was when the podcast was going to be called The Escape from a Vicious Circle. And then I realised, actually, no, I don't want to go that direction. I'm going to go this direction instead. So I, yeah, I very much appreciate you coming on for a second time. So thank you. Uh, my pleasure. It's, yeah, good conversations are always uh, always enjoyable. So thanks for having me again. That's okay. So let me start then. So if I was to ask the question, "Who is Gina?" How would you answer that? Who is Gina? Oh my goodness! I would say, on the whole, Gina is a. I'm, what's going up for me is a light worker. It's this whole idea that, you know, shining light into the world. Because in a world where there's lots of darkness, there's lots of fear. Um, yeah, I, I don't see that. So when I talk to my clients and we were talking just before we came on, what is it that I really do? I help people feel better. And that's by actually putting a light in the darkness without wanting to start too big for my boots. So yeah, that's what I do. <laughs> and, and you've got, um, I mean, you're, you're working with a certain type of people mostly, if I remember rightly. Well, I'm on a bit of a healing journey myself. Yeah. So I'm currently living with some quite challenging symptoms of multiple sclerosis, meaning that if I'm walking, I'm great behind the screen, it's not a problem. But if I'm walking, I use two, two sticks. And I'm quite laborious. It feels like I'm wearing, I call them a gravity pant. It feels like my legs are really, really heavy and really hard to lift up. And my balance is not good either. So I've got wobbly gravity pants. And um, yeah, my bladder isn't always losing control as I would like it to be. So there are my three sort of symptoms that I'm living with on a daily basis. But I'm, yeah, this, this, this healing journey is taking me on a very interesting, interesting track. I'm meeting incredible people. I'm learning a lot of modalities. Like I said, it's 
it's all around feeling better. So I use lots of techniques that are, you know, my, my, my self-care practice and my daily practice is quite extensive. So I'm spending quite a lot of time and energy on me and my healing and moment. And if I can support others that are also on a healing journey and I do that, I've got a Facebook group called the Healing Vibrations Network where we just connect, help people keep, help people feel better, help people feel better. And a lot of the time I'm connecting with other people with MS because it's, it's an easy connect and um, we share a lot of experiences and we get each other. So that tends to be, but I, interestingly, my, my, two, my, my latest clients are both not in that field at all. Um, although they have had, they are dealing with some sort of, in, well, one of them's had a, a brain injury and one of them's got like a, an ear, ear problem. I, so I think by the time we reach our midlife, you're very, very lucky if you're not dealing with or have dealt with some sort of health crisis. Might sound a bit dramatic, but some sort of health problem or challenge. Um, yeah. How, how would you define, well, so you mentioned multiple sclerosis and I know Fibromyalgia is quite similar. Mm. What differences are there between the two of them? Well, I think from what my understanding of fibromyalgia, the challenge that they have over people with multiple sclerosis is MS is 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 recognised as a something that you can diagnose because we go through you know uh, MRI scans, the number punches, and there's the lesions. Whereas fibromyalgia is more of a collection of symptoms. That I think they don't really know what it is. It's, it can be very similar as in it's very varied. Fibromyalgia tends to be a lot more painful, certainly from, from my symptoms. My symptoms aren't painful as such. They're annoying and debilitating, but not necessarily. I'm not in chronic pain, which right. I think a lot of people with fibromyalgia are. And that is a real, well, that must be a real challenge, a real draining on your quality of life, definitely. And it wasn't, it's, well, as far as I'm aware, until very recently, many doctors doubted that it even existed and, and even some now still. Yeah. Well, this is it. It's like so people, are, not only are they in pain, they then go to the doctor with these things and they have all these tests and the doctor goes back and says, no, just find it. there's nothing wrong with you. Mm. Yes, they're in pain and they can't walk properly and they, and they're not necessarily taken seriously. And that's quite often the case for people with MS as well, or they get misdiagnosed with various different things. And I think with quite a lot of autoimmune diseases, it's similar. It's almost like they're, 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 our medical profession are clutching at straws because they don't really know. They don't know the, the root causes of these things. And we've got a collective of symptoms and it's horrible. And people have got to live with it. And not actually have any answers because I don't know with the best will in the world. Mm. So when, when were you first sort of, or when did this first sort of start happening to you? So I was diagnosed in 2009 after real, about a real severe numbness in my legs and feet. I mean, bad enough. So I wasn't driving because I couldn't feel the pedals properly. It came up into my uh, hands as well. Again, bad enough. So my, I was struggling holding a pencil. So it was quite, quite severe. Looking back, I'd had symptoms not as severe as them, but I'd had numbness in the bottom of my feet, which I knew was a bit odd. Right. But 
when I went to sort of get it checked out at the doctor, I, I was just getting, I did get to see a neurologist, but he was just fobbing me off every, oh, just come back in six months and we'll see how it is. And in the end, I just thought, you know what? I'll just live with it. It's not a problem. And then it disappeared off as MS as you have sort of flare-ups and then it, 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 you know, periods of remission. And then in 2009, it, you know, it really flared up and, uh, that's when I went through the process. But even that, I remember going to the GP and saying this was going on. I'd got numbness in my legs. And, and they, they put it, oh, it's probably just stress. So then, yes, it, well, it might be or it might not be. And then I think I had a friend who said that they'd got numbness in their legs. And it turned out that they'd actually got a prolapsed disc. And she ended, her friend ended up, woke up one morning, just wasn't able to walk. And although she was able to get a walking done once they sorted out the disc, she never actually had any feeling down below. So she couldn't, she didn't know when she was going to the toilet and she also couldn't feel, um, any, anything when she was having sex. So I was like, that's not going to happen to me. So I went back to the doctor and he said, look, I'm sure it's nothing, but would you like an MRI? Cause by this point I'm in tears. I didn't know what was wrong with me. And I said, yes, I would. So it was only my insistence. Right. That actually pushed to get an MRI and then the MRI came back with, oh yeah, there is something there. So it takes a lot and that's, you know, that's my experience. But I've heard that some people go years and years just trying to get a diagnosis, thinking that they're mad and they're making it all up. And yeah, which is, which makes it even worse. Yeah. Cause that adds to distress, which is the last thing I need. Well, this is it. And then you're given the diagnosis. So one of the things that I, I talk about, and I want to get it out there. This is why take talk to be is the whole idea that when we're given a diagnosis, it doesn't help to our healing. So I was told at my diagnosis, and I was told it in a, in a very nice way. There is a nice way by a very nice doctor. It was very gentle, but she basically said to me that there was, you know, I'd got an incurable disease that was likely to get worse and that there was nothing that I could do about it. And they tend to be what most people get told. So with that, whether it's, you know, and you, you could be telling this, and some people have been told it, you need to go away and sort out your affairs and get the idea of being in a wheelchair because that's what's going to happen. So real, quite, oh my God, I've gone from being in my thirties, quite fit and healthy, cycling all over the place to, oh, I could be in a wheelchair. So when you get a diagnosis, it gets delivered with a massive dose of fear. Right. And from what I've learned on my healing journey is that when we're in fear, our body isn't in healing mode. Because when we're in fear, we're ready to fight that tiger or run from it. And therefore, our body's not doing the rest and repair that it needs to do. The autoimmune system sort of shuts down because it's, you know, it doesn't want to fight diseases if a tiger's about to eat you. Mm. So it, to me, it doesn't make any sense the way that we're actually given a diagnosis. We were delivered it in a slightly different way said, hey, you've got an imbalance going on here. And if we actually look at, so I've got, I've created a tool that allows the mind clients to look at all the different areas of their life that could impact their health. So I was told there's nothing I can do about it, but that's just not true. There's the obvious things like diet and exercise, but there's also things like your environment. Where are you working? Where are you living? How happy are you? How much purpose have you got in your life? You know, there's so much, I've come up with, like I said, 33 areas, and I'm sure there's more right. that then allows people to give an inventory of their life. 
And I think if doctors were sort of to suggest to people, hey, life may not be what you thought it was going to be, but it doesn't have to be a bad thing. This can be a wake-up call. Mm. The podcast that I was creating was around changing the perspective of illness, right. around interviewing people that have unwrapped the gift in their illness. And I talk about illness being a gift because it forces you to change or you can just get angry at it and, uh, yeah, be annoyed. Um, so the whole idea of illness being a gift, it's like, you know, that feels a bit, bit far-fetched. But it's like, I'm not, I'm not saying it's a wanted gift. And it's not saying it's wrapped up in very pretty paper. It's usually wrapped up in pretty ugly, smelly paper and you don't even want to go there. But once you start unwrapping it, then actually it can, yeah, being ill forces you to look at things differently. And that's a bad thing. Yeah. And, and as you were saying that, it made me remember, I used to do a lot of work for Sunraiser for Guide Dogs for the Blind because my mum my went blind many years ago. And I was on one trip with some blind people and we were cycling across New Zealand. And there was this young guy, who, uh, Murray, I'll never forget him. He's an amazing character. He was, I think he was 19 when we were on the trip and he was built like a massive rugby player. He was huge. <laughs> Completely blind, couldn't see a thing. And he'd gone blind at 14. So it was only five years previous. And yet his attitude to life was just so positive and laughing and taking the mick out of people. He has such a positive mindset. And he refused to let the blindness just kill his life. You know, he was, yeah. and, and the things that he would do were just, he would, every time we arrived at a different de destination, because we would, cycle for so many miles, stay overnight somewhere, cycle so many miles, stay overnight. And every time we arrived at a place, he would grab one of the bikes and go cycling around the, the car park on his own. And he <laughs> just sense when he was getting near to a car. Wow. So, yeah, as you say, it's about, you can just kind of keel over and just accept what's going to happen to you and you, then you're just going to go down pretty quick. Or you could decide, okay, now I'm going to fight this or I'm not going to let this get the best of me, I guess. Well, yeah, I think there's a couple of things because acceptance is, is, a, is quite a big piece, accepting where you are now, but also accepting that actually the doctor, just because they told you what they told you, that's from their, their right. perspective of the world and what they've learned. But actually, they're not living in your body. They're right. not knowing what you're knowing. Um, so you can choose to accept their prognosis and they, yeah, okay, that could be my truth. Hmm. But once I started researching outside of our medical, Especially, you know, healing from multiple sclerosis. There are loads of people right. that are living symptom-free without taking a myriad of drugs no. after they've been quite disabled, you know, after they've been quite ill. So I know it's possible. Yeah. There's so many ideas of what root causes are, you know, your toxins, parasites have come up a lot recently, well, with your environment, the way you deal with emotions and resolved emotions, childhood traumas can be a big thing and really stick in bodies. And there's so much that our medical profession don't look into in the 10-minute consultation that they have. They look at the diagnosis, okay, this is what you've got, there's the label, let's give you some medication that hopefully will calm it down and so you won't get as bad as so quickly. Yeah. And uh, that might, yeah, you, you might suffer from side effects, you might not, so let's... Uh, so, so yeah, so I'm, I'm very much on the idea that illness 
does, and it's coming across more and more that you know, by the time you reach 50 now, the chances of you having a long-term illness. And I think when I first did my research, which is probably about five, certainly pre-COVID, um, you know, it was a one in eight chance that you'd actually have, you know, some sort of chronic illness. I would suggest now the COVID and with all that fear and long COVID, which is very similar, very similar symptoms, then it's probably more like a one in five, one in six chance of living with a long-term health condition. And you sort of have to learn to live with it. So you have to learn to adapt. But a bit like your friend with the cycling, it's like, it feels like doors are shutting. It's like, you, know, you, you can't do what you used to do. You can't, you know, you can't, I can't cycle anymore. I can't, yeah, I can't run. I can't necessarily, but it doesn't mean so that you can't live. Yeah. You know, people in wheelchairs can have, I mean, look at Stephen Hawkins. Stephen yeah. Hawkins is just like, wow. Yeah. You know, what he achieved when he could barely move a muscle is just actually, yeah. We, oh, and we the power, power Olympics is just, yeah, yeah, inc- incredible. And what they're doing, yeah. And if you hear some of their stories as well, a lot of them will say they're actually pre-injury or pre, you know, that actually this has been the making of them. They, they're grateful for that injury. They're grateful for that illness. That took. A, I wouldn't have been. A, I wouldn't have been an Olympian before. Before I had that thing where my legs got chopped off or whatever. And look, look at. Yeah. When I've shown that I'm capable. So. Well, so, so the Lando podcast now is all about you know, proactivity and the art of living proactively. So how would you define, what does proactive mean to you when it comes to health? I think really proactive, being proactive about your health is, is taking full responsibility for you, for you and your body. Because certainly in the UK, when we've got the NHS, I think we're almost taught, and certainly in the Western world, really, a little bit, you get ill. You go to the doctor, the doctor fixes you. So at no point as a child probably would you have been told when you got a stomach ache or even if you fell over and hurt your knee, would you be saying, okay, let's connect in with the body. What is the body trying to tell you? Maybe what can you learn from the experience of falling over or having a bad stomach ache? Let's just take some time and let's believe that the body can heal itself because it can. You know, if you cut your finger... It's, it's not still bleeding, is it? And yeah. everyone's cut their fingers. So the body is meant to heal. So if it's meant to heal from a little cut or a broken leg, then surely it's meant to heal from, you know, more significant long-term things if we put it in the right place to heal. Yeah. And that, you know, you as a breathwork instructor, the power of the breath of, of calming that central nervous system mm-hmm. and allowing your body to be in a place of healing. And of course, the world that we're in now, where it's also fast paced and it's, we're getting bombarded all over the place with information here and there. You've got to do this. And then the fear comes in. Oh my goodness. Yeah. But then we're dosed with fear. Our central nervous system is, oh. yeah. So I think the work that we do is really about, okay, let's just take some time, some practices, practice time to just calm. Then the, yeah. And what you said there about the, you know, you cut your finger and then it heals and, and the process that heals is inflammation. So many people look upon inflammation as a dirty word and we don't ever want inflammation, but it's actually inflammation that does heal us. It's kind of like the whole Goldilocks thing that we don't want too much inflammation because that isn't good. 
But we do need some information because if you don't have any information, that's also not good. Well, well this is it. A bit, of, a bit of education around actually how our body works. And it's quite interesting because we've all probably done biology lessons at school, but the biology lessons are, don't really bring it home to actually how does that work in our bodies mm-hmm. and how does that actually feel and what does that mean that we can take from that and learn. So it would be so nice to have uh, schools where they like actually learn about the bodies and how they feel. The anatomy is important as well because it's quite interesting to know what goes where and if that's your liver or is that your heart and where, where things sit in your body. But actually connecting it to rather than a picture on a piece of paper and pointing out the anatomy with long words that you don't really understand. So, oh, if I really tap in, can I actually feel my own heart? Yeah. Can I actually feel my own legs and, and the, you know, the different muscles and, uh, and, and teaching our children to connect with their, their bodies? Because I think we've, we've come to such a place now we're so disconnected even with ourselves. And we expect that actually other people have the answers. I don't know what's the matter with me. I'll go to the doctor. He'll do a test. But mm. the doctor, as we described, with conditions like fibromyalgia, like, you know, like all the autoimmune diseases, really, nobody has to live. And, and all the, nobody has to live in your body, patient sentence. But also nobody's symptoms are the same. They might have similar ones, but they'll hear the different. They're different, so it's it would be amazing if we could get to a place where it's people at school, kids at school are actually taught, and maybe we can do that as parents. But I think I've missed the boat a little bit because my teenagers just think I'm a little bit mad now. But certainly, when they're youngsters and they're more open to this and they're more connected, they haven't quite a, quite as much um, yeah rubbish as we uh, throw on ourselves or. All through life. How did you come across the idea that um, beliefs are so important? That was early on in my coaching journey. I think the as, as a coach, we work on beliefs a lot. So if you, I love my favorite quote is by Henry Ford, and if you believe you can, and or you believe you can't, you're all right, mm. and it is. It's around, we tell ourselves so often that I can't, I can't do something. I mean, um, an, an example would be I had an experience when I was quite young at school that basically I was told that I couldn't sing. Um, and then that was followed up with, you know, another experience where, you know, oh, you, you can't sing. And then it's only like the last couple of years, it's, well, of course I can sing. I might not sound. As, as I would like to sound at the moment because I'm totally untrained and not practiced. Hmm. Everybody can sing, can't they? It's like, oh, everyone can draw art. It might not look like you want it to look, but it's your version of art. So saying that you can't do something that you... And then to carry that through. So what happened as a result of that, every time there was an opportunity to sing, I'd be at the back of the room. Whereas in my younger days, I would have said, yeah, yeah, I'll do it, I'll do it. But, uh, so, so you stop doing it. You don't go to singing lessons. Oh, I can't sing anyway. It's not much fun. Really? That's just a simple example of you're saying you can't do something. But when you actually think about it, of course I can sing because singing is just putting a tune to words. I right. can sing. You know, whether it sounds right in tune, I don't know. 
know, that can be practice, can't it? That can be learned if you decide you want it. But right. as simple as that, you can, and, and that's what happens. And I'm sure that's what happens in my, when I was about seven. And, and I'm sure there's lots of examples of people being shut down at school saying, Oh, you're no good at maths or you're the dunce or you, you, you can't write stories or whatever it is that then just stops people dead. But actually that, yeah, that's, and that's your belief. That's all you believe. And your belief's been taken from a teacher maybe or a friend who said something. And the teacher maybe wasn't in the right place or didn't use the right language or, um, you know, your friend was jealous. And didn't want, you know, you don't know what's going on in other people's world, but then you take that as your truth. The more I've looked into it and the more I've read and journaled and worked on myself, the more I thought, actually, if it is truth, it's just, we can, we can choose our own truth. Mm-hmm. And, you know, who knows what the truth is? Nobody does. You know, the big question in life, what's going to happen when you die? Well, people are killing each other to, to say, actually, my God's the right God. Nobody knows. Nobody yeah. knows. You can make whatever truth makes you feel better. And yeah, so it's, it's quite interesting when you sort of go down and start thinking about it and uh, talking to people. Well, and what you just said there about, you know, people give you their beliefs and what you can or cannot do, but also we, we have so many thoughts throughout the day and not all of them are true either. So some of the things that we, we shouldn't believe all that we think as well. Well, no, this is it because a lot of, I don't know how many thousands of thoughts, I can't remember, but there's like hundreds of thousands of thoughts that go through our head every day. Most of them are on repeat. Most of them are quite negative until you start pulling them out and noticing them. And a lot of them probably start with, I can't, or you can't, if you're talking to yourself, you can't do that. You can't go on a video and do a podcast. Well, yeah, you know, that's it. And that, just that simple thought that keeps regurgitating. It might be somebody else's voice or it might be your own. And of course you can. You can do anything you want. You can do, be or have anything, can't you? We know that. But actually living it, I think, is a, is a, diff- is a different thing, really. So for someone who does have... Conditions such as MS and fibromyalgia and some of those other autoimmune conditions. What what suggestions would you give them in how they could be more proactive with their condition? Um, I would. I'd start by taking my tour and doing the <laughs> and doing the doing the South Border, but but also by recognizing that actually you've you've got. You've got the control of your body. And if you, if your body is in fear a lot of the time, if you're feeling stressed, if you're feeling anxious, if you're being depressed, then your body is not going to be in a place to heal. So it's, if you can move yourself out of one state into another, and the simplest way of doing that, that anybody can do is developing a gratitude practice. Because when you're in your place of appreciation, then you can't be in a place of fear at the same time. And it is a practice and I've, and I've developed, um, I've been recently actually reading or listening to on Audible a book called The Magic by Rhonda Byrne, who is the lady who wrote The Secret. But this is a, it, it, each chapter is, made, I would definitely recommend it to anybody because each chapter is a, is a gratitude practice and it develops on that practice. And, and, and I've been doing it now, I think on day 23. So I've not finished the book yet. I'm still working through it. But it has definitely helped me 
just feel better in each moment because you recognize that actually the fact that you're sitting here listening to this, whoever's mm. listening to it right now, then you've got a lot to be grateful mm. because we're, you know, we're in a building, we're comfortable, we're warm, we're dry, we've got connection. We can listen to uplifting words from other people. We can learn from people that are maybe a few steps ahead of where I want to be going. And that is just a miracle in itself. The fact that I've got a glass of water that I can drink and it's, it's got a lemon squeezed in it as well. And, and even when you think about how did that glass get to me? Who thought way back when to turn sand at a certain temperature could turn it into glass? And all the process has gone to, to get a simple glass mm. on the table. So when you start really thinking about how everything is in our world, got into our world, mm. it develops a sort of appreciation to, wow, look at why that I've got a vessel that I can drink out of that doesn't put any toxins in there and doesn't spill it all over me and feels nice and I can wash easily. Uh, yeah, so it, once you get into that sort of mindset of I'm just going to be great today, right. um, it just shifts your energy. Well, it makes you much more appreciative about things, doesn't it? Yeah, and if you're appreciating, then you're not in fear. So you, they're, they're sort of almost opposite ends of, of, the, of the same scale. What's doubt comes in, you know, oh, I'm scared because, you know, I can't walk properly or I'm scared because I'm in pain. So whenever anything comes like that, then actually right now, take a breath. What can I appreciate right now? What can I look at? Whether that's a computer or a glass of water, the sun shining outside, the fact that actually I'm supported on a chair, I'm safe. Yeah, anything that can just, okay, right now, I'm okay, I'm okay. Well, and, and you said there, in, when you were explaining that and you talked about anyone listening to this, and it made me think, well, anyone who is listening to this most likely has the mindset that they are looking to improve themselves in, in some way or they wouldn't be listening to this in the first place. So they're on, they're on the right track anyway. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. Um, but I think the, the, the taking full responsibility and that is, that is a shift. That's quite interesting, actually, because that's one of the first, that's one of the first videos that I did and put out there. What one thing can you do right now that changes everything? And the one thing is decide, actually, if I, if, if what I've done up to now has got me to this point, and that's like not only your actions, but your thoughts, your feelings, your vibrations, all just brought you to here right now, then it's possible for me to create my own future. And, and I can change things up. You, you can change anything in your life. You can, you can change your diet and become healthier. You can up your exercise and become fitter. You can decide, you can change your job. You can, you can change anything. People think they can't. They think they're stuck in this rut and I can't do this and I can't do that. But yes, you can. Fear might be stopping you or something else is resistance. And again, as coaches, that's, you know, we get through people's resistance and help them achieve the goals that they, they want to achieve. But you can do anything. You just got to decide that actually it's important. So you mentioned about how a doctor when they first diagnose you with that, um, and then what they went on to say, ha have you seen that doctor again in recent years and, and how different you are now to how you were then? 
No, I haven't actually, because it was quite interesting. She she gave me the diagnosis, but then I was sort of transferred to another neurologist. So I've not, no, I've not seen her again. Uh, it'd be quite interesting to have a conversation with her actually. Yeah. But it's, um, I, I, I find, though I am still seeing neurologists, that they're, all the ones that I've seen are quite close to having conversations outside of pharmaceutical approaches. Wow. So it's, it's a shame that when we go and see our doctors and we, we're given a diagnosis and they, you know, the choices are this drug, this drug, this drug, or this drug. At no point did they say, well, actually, there's, there's all these other modalities. And the problem with going into the sort of the world of alternative medicine or holistic medicine, it's like, it's even more varied. It's like, where do you even start? So it would be so nice to have a neurologist that knows about the brain and knows about the, the conditions, but are also really open-minded to actually how you can treat yourself. And it's, it's just a shame that the, the patient's desires aren't really taken into account in my experience very much. So I would like to, it would like be nice to see that shift and change a little bit. So are you, are the majority of your clients um, having autoimmune conditions? And um, interestingly at the moment, no, not really. They have got some, they have got some conditions, but not, not autoimmune conditions. Um, why you, what's been attracting to me recently is more around helping people discover a purpose okay. and what it is that they, they, you know, really are put on this planet for. And I like to think that we're all here. We've all got some job today, whether that's something, yeah, whether that's something big and huge or whether that's something smaller and it's just my job to be the best parent and grandparent that I can be, then that's, yeah, that's the purpose. But then that's one of the things that definitely affects your ability to heal. Right. Because if you wake up every morning, you know, a bit like the Stephen Hawking thing as well, he has a definite purpose. It didn't matter that his body didn't work. It didn't stop him. It just like I've, I've got my purpose. Nothing's going to stand in my way. The body is just a vessel that we were sort of given through this lifetime, and he made it last a lot longer than it was ever suggested that it was going to. Well, and I think that's what happens with people when they retire. It's then they they don't have any purpose anymore, and that's why so many yes. people don't last for very long after they retire. Well, no, this is it, and it's such a shame that if they're if they're so identified with their work. And then the work stops. Yeah, your retirement really should be. We all sort of, yeah, you go to work, you get a good job. Eventually you get like a nice pension. You retire and live the life that you've always wanted to live. But then if people don't know what life they wanted to live, mm. what makes them happy, what shine, what makes them shine. Yeah. And that can be a real challenge, like you say, and uh, a downward hill. So if people want to find out more about you and, and work with you, where would they go to? The best place at the moment will be Facebook. Um, so you just find me, Gina Dallison, just come to my profile, or Gina Dallison coaching page as well. My profile is probably best. And I've got the Facebook group, the Healing Vibrations Network, or LinkedIn. LinkedIn, I'm quite, um, quite active on there. Looking to work with, with organizations to help them support their long-term people with long-term conditions because whether they're telling their, their, their employer or not, chances are people, if they're not 
got a long-term condition herself, they might be caring for somebody with a long-term condition. And that affects the way they work and therefore make them less productive. So, And your podcast, what is your podcast called? My podcast is called Healing Vibrations, um, but it's not quite out there yet. That's, I've still got some work. I've, I've got all the recordings. I'm going to turn the recordings into a, into a, a thing. That'll be, that'll be out soon then. Yeah, yes, definitely. Definitely be out soon. Thank you. <laughs> so tell us about um, a question I always ask everyone. It, a book that's moved you for, for any reason, what, what, what comes to mind? I think um, some of the books that I've really enjoyed, uh, obviously the um, George Jelinek, uh, Overcoming Multiple Sclerosis, was the first book that I saw, read, that made me think, oh, I could do something about this. So if you, particularly if it's multiple sclerosis that you're living with, I would definitely recommend having looking at his work. But on the spiritual side of things would be anything by uh, Esther and Jerry Hicks. Particularly yeah. the astonishing power of your emotions and how your emotions and can guide you. So that's been, uh, yeah, I really enjoy their work. Well, and finally, is there a quotation that you really like? Yes, to Henry Ford. If you if you yeah, if you think that you can or you think that you can't, then you're right, and it's yeah, you're wrong. But let, let's start every time you hear yourself saying I can't, just start playing with. Well, what if I could? And it applies to almost anything you can, you can, yeah, you can apply it to anything, can't you? Yeah. Yeah, you can. And it, and it's interesting because even the things like, you know, I can't sing. Actually, yeah, I can. And even like, you know, I can't walk. And it's like, well, you might not be able to physically walk right now, but you yeah. know what it is to walk. And actually, well, what is walking anyway? Walking's moving your legs. Can I move my legs? Yeah, I can move my legs. Can I imagine myself walking? Yeah. So. Again, don't allow yourself to say, I can't, because it might be your current reality, but it doesn't have to be your forever reality. And if you keep regurgitating, I can't, I can't, then it will continue being your current reality. So shift it up to something that feels right. So I might not be able to right now, but my legs are getting stronger. I'm working my leg. So yeah, talking yourself into the reality that you want. Well, I remember one person, I can't remember who it was. They said the, uh, the way to reframe it is, I can't do so and so yet. Yes, Is yeah, just adding a yes on, onto it exactly, and uh, yeah, that's a nice. Thank you. Well, Gina, it's been, thank you for again for coming on again, and um, yeah, for giving for helping people who do have autoimmune conditions and MS and fibromyalgia and so on, and giving them some hope, and yeah, maybe some of them will get in touch with you as well. Yeah, absolutely, and and, th- and there's always hope, and it doesn't, you know, you might not be ready to see it as a gift right now. But maybe just play with the idea, what happens if it is a gift? What happens if there's something in all wrapped up in this horrible, yucky wrapping paper that I'm missing that is that is a good thing? And out of all this, you know, sadness and pain comes something really beautiful. And I like to think that there is something there for all of us. So take that. Thank you. Next week is episode 230 with Karina Belizzi. And she pioneered the growth of Nordic Naturals to over $100 million in annual sales. And given her concern for health of people and the planet, she shifted her focus from fish-sourced omegas to algae in 2016. And today, she leads a company called Orla Nutrition, a new algae brand that features the world's most bioactive omega-3s, 
from sustainably grown algae. So we're going to find out a lot more about ball owned nutrition, about the process of omega-3s from algae and how this all works. So that's next week's episode with Karina Berlitzi. Hope you enjoyed this week's show with uh, Gina Dallison. And please do subscribe. And it'd be great if you could leave a review for us on one of the podcast platforms. Hope you have a fantastic week.